<laughs> Perfect. Oh, we nailed it, gang. We nailed it. Thanks, everyone, for joining us for another week of the Rec Poker Podcast. I am so excited to be here. I'm your host, Jim Reed, Bluff Serini in the home game, nailing those audio cues just like we do every week. Um, <laughs> every week, I got to thank our sponsors, of course, Running Aces, Hotel, Racetrack, and Casino, and Website Amp. And um, I also got to thank all sorts of premium members and wrecking crew members who contribute their time and their money every month to this wonderful uh, organization that we call Rec Poker, sharing our poker love with the world. So um, why don't we just jump right into it here? Uh, wrecking crew members, I said, if you want to learn more about me or the crew, you can go to rec.poker slash crew. But a great way to get to know them is just open up your ear holes because they're about to tell you a little bit about themselves. Uh, well, I'm Chris Jones. You can find me 5B5 on Twitter or 5x5 on the Poker Stars home game. And I'm John Somsky. I am Poker Geek MN everywhere. And I'm Keith Brandt, and that's Monkey System everywhere. I'm Rob Washam, and I'm Rabman50 just about everywhere. Hi, everyone. I am Woody Adams. I play as Rocket Fox on Poker Stars Pennsylvania, and I'm at Woody Adams on Twitter. Well, it's uh, it takes a village uh, to do what we do down here. I want to just shout out uh, a couple of premium members. Jack LaRue, who plays as PCS2005 in the home games. Jack is such a fun character. Always got a smile on his face. Knows what he's doing at the poker table, too. And uh, he's been chipping in his 15 bucks a month to help us keep things going here for a long time. So, Jack, thank you, for much, uh, thank you so much for everything you do and for being a great part of what we're doing here at Rec Poker. So... Speaking of great things that we're doing here at Rec Poker, how, I mean, come on, am I the luckiest guy in the world? I get to hang out here every week and talk to some fantastic people in the poker world. So this week, I don't know if you're listening on YouTube, if you're watching on YouTube, you heard a little bumper music before we got started here uh, with some twang and harmonica. And I got to tell you, the creator, we, we, we talked to Tommy Angelo like a year ago, and we made this plan to get some harmonica music, and I've just been waiting for the perfect chance to unleash it on the world, and that's it. Every week, you get to hear it here on the Rec Poker Podcast if you're tuning in live on YouTube. So, Tommy, what does it feel like to know that like, you've really made it? It's official now. You've really <laughs> you've arrived in the poker it's, world. It's, you know, it's like climbing to the very top of a mountain. <laughs> There's just nowhere to go but down. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Well, Tommy, I mean, you're known by many. You wear a lot of hats in the poker industry. You're a mental game expert. You've got a great attitude about poker. We're going to talk about the different ways that people can enjoy poker and sort of how they can keep some pain, some poker pain out of their lives. But something I always kind of ask uh, our guests when they come on, how, how do you uh, ex- describe yourself in the poker world? If someone asked you like, oh, like what's your relationship to the world of poker? How would you define that? Writer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, that's, you know, that's the face I presented for many, many years. Um, that's ultimately it, you know, and I think of the videos I've made, I've made a total of 70 videos now, various projects at different sites and different things. But that's a writing project, too, mm-hmm. to me. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, my contribution to the world of poker, I feel, is as a writer. The coaching I do, that's a contribution, too, but that's with all with individuals. You know, I've never tried to um, – I've never done group coaching. I've never done my own webinars or tried to connect clients together. So that's all one-on-one stuff. 
Um, but yeah, I, I really think of myself as a writer primarily. That's great. I think for a lot of people, that's what your legacy will be. Um, you know, you've put a lot out there. You've helped a lot of people come to understand poker, how to play it, how to enjoy it. And uh, mm-hmm. so hats off to you, man. I mean, congratulations on that. That's wonderful. Thanks. It's been a great, great ride. Yeah. yeah actually, I'm actually really excited that uh, Tommy, that you're on here on the show here tonight. That's really great. Thank you so much for joining us. Um, good fine, dude. Um, yeah. I said I was talking to Jim. Like it's a really good find that he got oh. you on the show. Like you're, yeah, yeah, you're, yeah. You. Oh, I, I feel like I'm one of the regs here. You know, it's, <laughs> nice. It, you, I mean, <laughs> you really, you made a, you've made an impact on a lot of folks with your, uh, with your approach to the game. At least you've mm-hmm. made an impact on me with my own approach to the game. And um, it's great to have you on the show. Thank you so much. Well, thanks for saying that. And I'm very glad to be here. So, uh, Tommy, what are you working on right now before we get into uh, some of the other questions? And I know if if you're typing, if you're watching on YouTube right now, feel free to type any questions into the chat. And if you have any questions here in the panel, of course, just unmute at any time. But Tommy, what's the top of your list? What's got you excited these days? I can't wait to tell you this. (laughs) I'll give you the medium length version. All right. So I've had phases of life when it came to my creative energy. You know, I was a full-time musician for 10 years. Then I was just playing nothing but that for 10 years. And then I started writing around 2000. Since the year 2000, when I started writing articles and I started writing books in 2006, I've been producing finished work nonstop for, well, for about 20 years, right? So what happened was about Nine months ago, I was getting to the end of a three-part series, video series I made called Going Pro. And I'd done a video series called On Position. And I was scripting these and looking at it. And I felt like, you know what? I I feel like the, um, the air is sort of coming out of this balloon a little bit. I've kind of said all I want to say. And I've been through this before in other venues, right? So I made a conscious decision to not start up any new projects including new videos or whatever, and just see what happened. (laughs) Well, what's happened is I'm back to playing. Yeah. Regularly. And um, Oaks, which is a card club here, right here in Oakland, they have a two, two, three, they do three blinds here in the Bay Area. It's a two, three, five game. And they're doing voluntary, uh, it's a winter straddle. So it's basically a five, 10 game, which is my sweet spot, Right. So the 2-5 game wasn't quite enough to get me to drive down the hill, but the 5-10 absolutely is. And the games are soft, and they go every day. They start in the morning, which I love, and they got two games going by 1 o'clock every day. So I've been playing two or three days a week in the 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. window. Um, My results have been crazy good. Mm. Uh, That's something I might tell you about. I started incorporating in a very direct way the concepts in Ed Miller's book, uh, Poker's 1%. And I, I kind of shifted my game from being a game that just more or less, I, I mean, I've always done a lot of bluffing and stuff, but more or less waits for the money to come to me <laughs> rather than going out and just ripping it from the game. And I'm taking playing that style. My VPIP probably went from like 18 to 27. Mm. You know, and, not not um, out of position, though, surely. Well, even believe it or nothing, no, I'm still very super positionally sensitive. However, I am playing suited connectors 
out of position in situations where I wouldn't have before. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. that's exactly the type. But my range is so wide and my bluffing range has opened up so wide. And this is how I used to play in the early days of No Limit when nobody knew anything, right? It was all see the pants. I was very aggressive. But now I'm doing it with a way more knowledge, way more discipline, and way more tiltlessness. You know, I, basically all my fears have sort of melted away. So I'm mm. much more free to just play the game at this hyper aggressive level. And I'm also I'm also not playing mum poker anymore. I mean, oh, wow. hey, I'm actually talking to people and having fun. This, it, it, oh. Basically, I never thought I would enjoy poker like this again, like it was in my grinding days, where I was like part of the furniture at Lucky Chances and all that church goes in Bay 101. I walk in and I already knew everybody, all the dealers, right? So now that's coming back and, you know, which develops, first of all, it develops some long range advantage. Once people are afraid of me, I don't have to reestablish that every time mm-hmm. by how I play. It just mm-hmm. starts right out, right? So that's very profitable. But it's also just really, really fun to be engaging with these wonderful people. There's just so many wonderful people there. And Oaks is just a – the diversity there is just mind-boggling. I mean, the diversity at, at, on the peninsula was one thing, but here it's just even more so. And when you have all these different cultures – sharing their great love of poker together and getting along in these, you know, that, that brotherhood, sisterhood way that we do. I, I'm just enjoying that the whole experience, all of it. And, oh. and so that's what I, that my, I don't have any, any significant creative projects going on right now at all. And there's none cooking. I, I dabbled for about four months. I did a deep dive into screenwriting, read some books, read a bunch of stuff, watched a bunch of movies, read a bunch of screenplays. That's something that could take up someday. I'm also kicking around the idea of uh, reestablishing it. I used to write a lot of songs back in my 20s with my cousin AJ. He's been in the music business the whole time. We're thinking about maybe doing some songwriting again. None of that's happened yet, you know. But in terms of poker projects, um, you know, I come home every day with hands I could write about, but I have no desire to write anymore. I just want to play. That's, so there you that's go. amazing. That's, that's, Honestly, yeah. that's, that might be the best update I've heard in a while. Um, because often when we have people on the show, they're working on a book or a video series or, you know, a, a Twitch stream or something that they're interesting, interested in promoting. Um, but I always want to talk about just like the fun you're having playing poker. It sounds like that's right where you yeah. are right now. That's amazing. It, it, it is. I, I, I could tell you some hands, but I jotted down one line the other day just to tell you. Yeah. And, and just because it was so funny. I mean, this is the type of thing I would write into a blog if I were still like blogging. <laughs> now, you know, I'm never going to like make fun of somebody for their lack of knowledge, right? right? None of us knew anything at some point. But this was such a cute way of <laughs> indicating. So one guy, he, uh, he, he lost his hand. He turned over his hand. And his buddy says, oh, you had a two-outer. You needed a king or a jack. <laughs> I just thought it was a funny line. I just wanted to that's, share that. That's great. That's the Oaks Den, you said, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's the Oaks card room. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tommy, you touched on it just briefly there about uh, sort of range development, right? And sort of how you go through that. And as a poker player, um, I've been listening to these podcasts for years, right? And I remember when you wrote a book a few years back called Waiting for Straighters. Mm-hmm. And um, you were kind of like on the little podcast circuit. And I was really picking up what you were putting down. 
And at the time in my development, I was swinging between my playing super tight and only, you know, Broadway stuff, yeah. right? Versus, oh, I'm playing too tight. Now I have to play any damn two. And right. what you did with this concept of waiting for straighters was you kind of helped me just filter it, right? Just filter yeah. my range to an appro more appropriate amount than it had been. And uh -huh. in doing that, like in doing that one step, right? Just like wait for the cards that can make a straight. Right. Like, let's just start fucking there. You know what I mean? Right. And like, it's developed my game a lot. So like at the intro, right. I was like expressing gratitude and I'm, I'm, I'm genuinely sincere that like what you, that simple concept that you laid out in such a nice way uh -huh. has made it's 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 the it's what a poker player needs like to get better is these step-by-step yeah. -step simple little maxims that you can follow to kind of help you along that that's part of it is like you know it takes a long time to master something the way you don't need anything anymore where you just play Right. But in the meantime, you need every little trick and rule and anything you can to keep you stable enough mentally and keep your game stable enough in terms of leaks so that you can actually make money at the game or at least not get killed too bad. That's it's different with <laughs> poker than music. Right. You can't just like just you have to have some learn those disciplines before you can break break the rules or whatever, you know? Yeah. You got to get fluent in it a little bit before yeah. you can start uh, riffing, before you can start improv. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it, was, it was one of the things that I noted was like, um, defining your ranges and then being disciplined enough to follow those ranges. Yeah. It's sort of two parts. You know what I mean? Right. You have to know right. what you should play, know what you shouldn't right. play. And then in the moment you have to make the right decision. Yeah. Right. Yeah, so Tommy, you've done a lot of great um, work helping uh, inexperienced recreational players kind of get their arms around the best way to play poker. And we talk a lot about how, you know, it's fun to win. That's why we, we enjoy the game. We enjoy studying, getting better together because we enjoy co the competition. And, you know, mm -hmm. winning and losing is how you keep track in poker. Um, but as recreational players, there's also this pleasure in the game, the fun of the game. Um, right. So you, you wrote you know, Painless Poker, and, and this is a concept that you've talked about a lot. Um, for, our, for our listeners that might not know what that's about, can you just talk a little bit about the concept and, uh, and how it's valuable? Oh, well, the concept of Painless Poker, I guess one way of putting it is um, you analyze what are all the different ways that you suffer at poker while playing and away from the table and list them and then systematically work on each one of them as, as an objective. Like how can I suffer less when a drunk asshole says something mean to me? How can I suffer less when they're out of my favorite orange juice. You know, every single little annoying. <laughs> yeah. Hold on, I just dropped my... Um, <laughs> I, I'm trying to come up with non-obvious things, right? Obviously, the big two, the biggest causes of pain are bad beats, you know, or, or bad luck and playing bad. Mm -hmm. 
you know, there and and those particular two, each of us has a, a built-in balance. Like some people, believe it or not, are wired like like Mason Malmuth, for example, that bad beats never the statistically statistic anomalies never really took, got under his skin. There are some people like that. They never have the woe is me feeling, right? But but there are other people who um, making a mistake just is just destroys them, right? So there's two things. One is how much do we suffer when those things actually happen? And then there's also how quickly can we recover in during the game so that it doesn't cause us to play bad. So ultimately, you know, painlessness, I'm using the word suffering in here because that's the Buddhist word to re basically refers to any mental discomfort of any kind, boredom, impatience, right? Mild annoyance, fatigue, all of these are, we're going to say, are forms of pain. So when you go through every single one, and oh, another way to look at this is to, to um, wait until you're in that optimum state where you lose a two-outer and it didn't hurt for whatever reason. You're just having a great day. You just feel good that day, right? Your biorhythms are high. And then analyze there. Why? How come sometimes they hurt so much and sometimes mm. they don't? Mm -hmm. And then you have to really go look at, and this is like a lot of, this has become a big deal now in the last 10 or 20 years. The things we can control, our sleep and our food. And, and those two things alone, right? Thinking of those as poker decisions because they do affect our mindset. There's been a lot of research done on how much the brain is tucked into the gut biome and all that, hormones. So anything that you, you can control you have to look at it as like, okay, this might make me suffer only 1% less. But if you do that every day for a couple of years, you know, it adds up to a lot. So the whole idea of painless poker, though, is to, first of all, just believe that it's possible to reduce <laughs> the amount of suffering. You know, it's never going to go away, but you can continually reduce it. And once that becomes a priority, then we use our, our own intellect and our own resources to just figure out how to, how to do it. And it sounds like you're saying that the low hanging fruit for that kind of thing is, you know, being well rested, being properly nourished, you know, giving yourself the just the tools that you need to be at your best mentally and physically um, is, yes. is that that's the low hanging fruit for away from the table. The low hanging fruit at the table is resetting mm -hmm. your mind and body as often as you possibly can. My objective is to do it every single hand, and I'm pretty good at that. And then and in between hands, when you fold it, you know, what are you doing with your mind and body during that time? You should be doing two things. One, watching every single bet of every single hand. <clears throat> and the other one is checking in with uh, your body and learn to see, uh, um, to be in tune with clenching. That's a, that's a good word, right? Anytime we are upset, let's say you're talking on the phone and somebody says something upsets you. If you could stop right then and do it like an analysis of all the muscles in your body, you would see that somewhere there's some amount of clenching that happens, right? It just happens. So the way to undo that, I know you've heard this before, is with mindful breathing. Doesn't have to be deep, but a little bit slow. So in between hands, you're like, Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm tight right now. I'm wound tight. 
a little bit of relaxing. Now, that's not going to dispel everything every time, but you do it over time, and it does make a huge difference. So go ahead. No, no, that's it. I mean, that's um, and um, one question that I had for you, because I, I struggle with this a bit at the table, because I want to be taking in information and paying attention and like learning from my mistakes and like learning about my opponents while I play. But I also want to be in flow and not letting it bug me. Um, right. How do you how do you kind of navigate that that tension in, in real time? Yeah, well, the 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 way it's taught to do this is once you are train yourself to where you have the wherewithal to actually take a mindful breath. And that is not an easy or simple thing to do. Mm -hmm. It's simple, not easy. Then what happens is in that moment, now you have options mentally with what you can do with your mind. You can actually choose what to think about. Okay. So what you, what you do is you witness and label the negative feelings or the positive feelings. You literally witness them. You say to yourself, right now I am frustrated because I lost a two outer again. Right. And if you actually narrate those words to yourself in your mind, it removes your one one level. It's literally a higher level of consciousness because you're looking down on your suffering instead of just being immersed in it. And that gives it a chance to stop. That's a good one. And I, I mean, I hope we can all. Over, you got to do it a lot, though, over and over and over. It's training. Yes. And you're quite practiced at it by now. Um, right. And, and does, I mean, tell me it gets easier, Tommy. Oh, it gets super easy. You know, that's why I can do some of the stuff I'm doing at Oaks. It's like, it's like whatever, you know, I, I floated a guy with absolutely nothing and it, it was right to do that. And he bet the turn and I raised and he insta jammed and I insta mucked. I, I had no pair, no draw. I was like, whatever. Right. I didn't even have to do any workout afterwards to bring the pain down. It was just like there wasn't any. So, yeah, it's a That's very, true. very tall mountain, but you just keep going up. But the nice thing is that if you do climb it, no matter how slowly you climb it, you, you sense the progress. You absolutely sense. There's so many milestones as we play. You're like, wow. You know, let's say you're, you know, you guys play mostly tournaments, right? Yeah. Well, let's say you're playing like some big multi table live event that you only play for a year and you and you bubble okay and you suffer x amount and then you do all this training shit and then three months later the same thing happens and it only hurts half as much mm -hmm. that's what i mean by milestones and you see the progress oh, i like that uh john you had a question yeah i was just kind of wondering <clears throat> a lot of what you're talking about is how kind of how to bring zen into poker right and to yeah. kind of just let everything go not worry about it but the other half of it is maintaining your motivation to actually study and get better how do you balance those two things or how do you make it so that you just it's not that you don't care you have to make it so that you don't care that you happen to play bad in the moment but you do learn from that in order to get better how, how do you maintain yeah. that yeah. Well, what, what, what is your motive to get better at poker? Uh, I like to win. <laughs> I mean, I, li I really like to compete. I, I like to play well. Uh, I like to, to think that I make good decisions, all uh -huh. of those types of things. So it all kind of goes together. So when you make the big mistake, yeah, there's going to be pain over that. 
but that is also that is the incentive to go work harder, right? It kind of goes together, you know. Um, I'm not sure how this ties into the the whole Zen concept, except that when you're studying poker, you can also take a more mindful approach to that in itself, you know, and tell and remind yourself, okay, I'm not only learning uh, how to improve my strategy so that I can satisfy my goal of winning. I'm learning how to improve my strategy so that I can satisfy my goal of suffering less. Mm. Right. You know, that can that can always be tied at the top rung of like, why the hell are you doing any of this? Right. And so that actually ties in nicely with the, you know, the ending theme of elements of poker and much of painless poker. The whole idea is that we as poker players are very fortunate in the sense that we get many thousands more opportunities than normal people to to suffer in in all these little weird little ways that happen at a poker game. So once you start taking the path of looking at poker itself as training to reduce suffering in poker and regular life, that's when they all go together. Okay, the best example of that is impatience. Like one of my tweets I put up not too long ago is like you can something like, you know, you can practice poker patience while waiting in line at the at the store. And you can practice waiting in line at the store while you're waiting for hands of poker. You know, patience is an obviously great thing to have to reduce suffering, right? So we have to practice that while we play poker. But if you consciously think of it, I'm playing poker, I'm working on being patient. And then all of a sudden you're at the store the next day and you're in this long line and you think, oh, I'm stuck here for five minutes. Why do I have to be unhappy about this, right? I'm just going to sit, just like when your card dead. So you just stand there and you're like, this doesn't have to suck. <laughs> you know, it just doesn't. So I don't know if that would really answer your question, but I really do think that once you take what you call the Zen approach, which is the, act, the idea of actively trying to reduce your unhappiness day after day, the poker is a magnificent training ground for that. Mm. We've got a few questions uh, stacking up here on YouTube, so I'll just remind our listeners, if you want to uh, in enjoy this podcast experience live every week, you can go to our YouTube channel and type your questions in for our guest in real time, uh, like Troy Chapman has done here. Uh, Troy, he says, interesting comment, Tommy. How do you monitor progress? How do you determine that you have increased knowledge? It's hard to base progress on winning or results. And we don't want to be results oriented. And we're dealing with weird sample sizes when that kind of stuff. But uh, how, how, how do you measure progress in that way? Um, well, there's, there's strategy progress, and then there's mental stability progress. Okay. The mental stability progress is fairly easy to measure because you just feel it. Strategy progress, the more I coach people, the more I realize that the most important thing is to play a lot. Mm. You know, I think if you play a lot and you bring in any new material, you know, coaching or books or whatever, or rereading books that you know have helped you in the past, I don't think there's any way to stop the progress. I really don't have an answer to how to measure it. You know, obviously, the only thing you can really put numbers on are your results. But but those, you know, the sample size you need for that to mean anything real it, it 
but I, I think that people, when people are getting better, they just know, right? Mm. You just know when you're getting better. But I think if you, you know, sometimes I'll have a client and, and we get going and they want to do this, that, and other thing. And I'll be like, how much do you play? And he goes like, you know, six hours every other weekend. And I'm like, well, sorry, <laughs> you can't get good at poker playing that low. You just can't, right? You have, that's the big, biggest hurdle, I think, for a lot of working people. You just can't put enough hours in. But once yeah, somebody, no, no, please continue. Please. No, I, I was done. That's kind of because it is it is a cumulative thing, right? You can't just keep shaking the rust off every time you get you get planned. So I think that yeah. makes sense. Yeah, Woody, sorry, get in there. The um, it, you're you're kind of touching on it. Um, something that's pretty relevant, I think. This these, these past couple of years, as uh, the poker community has kind of uh, been growing. So one of the interesting things about the poker community at large is that it will um, it it'll go through these periods of like flash lots of folks in it and then people just die out of it and they 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 they, they buy in a couple of times they bust out and they don't they don't reengage but I think that like my question would be what could um, I guess what could we do, like the rec poker community? What can we do to help bring more folks who might be interested in the game? Like you were saying, a gentleman, you know, a gentleman who who likes to play every other weekend for six hours or whatever it is. What can we do to um, to help encourage those folks to come in, play well, win a little bit? Like, what can we do to help? build that community up you're talking about your rec poker community or i'm talking about like the community at large like the the poker community at large like um here in pennsylvania the i'm I'm thinking here in pennsylvania we've got uh poker stars pennsylvania just launched here a couple years back and so there's a lot of people talking about the game here Mm -hmm. but um they uh um will make a deposit onto the site and then not come back. Right. And so um, what I'd be interested in is like, how do we get folks more, uh, more yeah. interested in the game? Like how do yeah. we get them uh, more engaged in this, in this, uh, this passion that we're, that, that we're about, you know? I don't know. I mean, I, it feels to me like what you guys have is really great for encouraging new people and keeping them in the game, but there's nothing you can do about, you know, there's, there's always going to be some percentage of people who come into the online world and make a tiny little splash and you never hear from them again. I think that's just the nature of the number crunching of the whole, the whole, you know, cause poker stars is constantly trying to recruit new people, Right. And and a lot of them are just going to come and lose their hundred bucks two or three times, and that's it. I don't think there's much that can be done to stop that. Um, it'd be so it'd be so interesting to see like a, a like another another poker boom happen. You know what I mean? Like the way that it did back when. Yeah, wouldn't that be great? We're all we're all keeping our eyes out for how to get are. more people involved, and you know, like you say, Tommy, we're doing our best here to keep. Uh, the poker world a friendly encouraging place where yeah. people can come and learn um yeah uh chris you, you had a question well i kind of have a related question tommy you're you're mentioned you're um 
made some forays into screenwriting. Um, I'm always, you know, even really good shows. I was just watching a, a recent episode of Better Call Saul, which I think is one of the better shows. Yeah, we're all over I that. Think, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, but, but even that show has a representation. They had a poker game in it and it's just a mess, right? Yeah. Like nobody seems to be able to get poker done well on the screen. And I'm wondering uh, if you think that's even, is it, is it just, have you ever, what's your favorite like poker medium art form um, that you've seen, or is it even possible? Do you think we'll see well, one it's, someday? It's quite possible. I was going to answer, I was going to answer that question, whether you asked it or not. So <laughs> do you guys know who Martin Harris is? He was the editor in chief at poker news for many years. Um, he wrote a book called pop poker, pop culture, not too long ago. So he and I are good friends. And uh, years ago, he and I were just chat, chat. He used to report the, the, be the live reporter at the WSOP in the 2000s. And I would just go hang out and watch him do his thing. Anyway, we were, I said to, something to him about that the best poker I'd ever seen on TV by far or movies was in Star Trek The Next Generation. Mm. He sent me an article that he had written about the seven poker scenes from the next generation. He wrote an article about it, claiming that these were the best. And they absolutely were. I'm going to tell you about two of them. Yes. Okay. <laughs> this is so, un the, this was like in the first season. So this is the best poker I've ever seen on TV. Data, who's the Android, they're playing five card stud, which is great because that makes it simple for people to understand, right? Riker, who in character, his character is he's crafty and really, uh, you know, really clever, right? So he's got, um, on 4th Street, he's got four hearts up. Or, or three. He's got three hearts up and one card in the hole. Data has, and no card higher than a queen. Data has a pair of queens. So Data knows he has the best hand at that point, right? So Riker bets and, and whatever, there's a raise. Riker raises on 4th Street. Then the fourth heart comes. And Riker bets, and Data reasons out loud, well, obviously you have a flush or you wouldn't even have been in there. I got two queens. So he folds. And then Riker shows the bluff. I'm like, this is the best, most realistic hand. And both characters are in character on top of everything else, right? But to truly show the importance of how poker was in that show, the very, it ran seven seasons, the very final scene of the very final episode was a poker game. And they're all sitting around playing and Captain Picard comes in. He'd never played with them. And he comes in, you go look up this scene, it makes me cry. He comes in and he sits down, you know, he says the seat open, he sits down and plays and he's playing and they're all kind of nervous and excited that he's playing and he shuffles the deck and he says, Five card draw, the sky's the limit. And that's the last line of the whole friggin' series. So mm. if you want good poker, yeah. um, Star Trek Next Generation, the obviously rounders, the, the poker hands and rounders are probably the most realistic. But if you go back and watch Cincinnati Kid or The Sting, they, they're all flaky, every single one, <laughs> right? <laughs> It is amazing, but you know. So obviously, it's occurred to me, man. Maybe I will finally write a poker movie that has real poker in it, 
but maybe there's just no market for that because yeah. somebody would have done it by now. Nah, we'll we'll watch it. We'll watch speaking it. Speaking of yeah, yeah like Chris, the boom, like I'm I'm just I'm I'm I want the Queen's Gambit moment for poker. You know, yeah. I want like that that sort of like elevation of the game, the interest in the game. I think that could lead to a boom, but I'm not sure if if that's even you know possible yeah. or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, that'd be great. I mean, I'm glad that uh, I actually quite enjoyed Star Trek: Next Generation when I was younger. So that uh, that makes me feel better about it. Yeah. I don't know. Oh. I don't know how well it holds up, to be honest with you. But I, I Here, here's another it. one where they're playing poker, and it, this is one where there's a time loop, and Data is stuck in the time loop, and he's trying to send a message to the real Data from the other ones, like what's Classic going on. Data. Yep. And so they're playing, and like all threes show up. In the game, and like it's like what? So even in that one, they use poker. He uses the poker game to send a signal to himself, or something like that. Well, that's awesome. Yeah. So obviously, Gene Roddenberry knew a little something about uh, about how to play the game. I'm I'm taking that from this. Maybe, uh, it, it could, or it could just be somebody at the executive level decided let's let's hire writers. Yes, who understand the game of poker? Right, <laughs> somewhere in there, they had to have a real poker player. You know. I like Whether it. it was Roddenberry or you know somebody. Yeah, well, that's great. Well, I always like to throw things back to Star Trek: Next Generation here on the Rec Poker Podcast. <laughs> um, so let's talk a little bit about uh, we we put this out on Twitter earlier, uh, talking about sort of like classifying the different kinds of poker pain, and uh, I'll just go, go through a couple uh, of the different ways. No, I understand. That's all right. Classifying um, what? Uh, different kinds of poker pain and like different instances oh, yeah. of it. And like, what is right. the worst way? To, I, I'm one of those people that you described earlier, that if something's supposed to happen 5% of the time, then you can't really get too upset when it does happen because it's supposed to happen 5% right. of the time. Right. You can get upset that it happened right. on the money bubble of the main event of the World Series. Of poker, <laughs> right. Right. right? Uh, right. But, you know, you can't really get upset at, at the statistical happening. But I beat myself up so bad if it's a mistake that I made that I no. have made before. Actually, I don't mind that much if it's a new mistake. But yeah. making, a, making a mistake that I've made before is probably the thing that I find the most painful when it comes uh -huh. to poker so i don't know if folks are watching on youtube i'd love for you to uh, and here in the group too um type in sort of what what you think is the worst poker pain that you've experienced and uh, maybe we can talk a little bit about sort of how we can make it less painful or if some things are just going to be painful no matter what like um you kind of put your uh, you kind of put your finger on it originally like just getting unlucky in the worst time ever that's yeah. always going to be painful. Yeah. Right? I mean, even the Zen master, Tommy, um, like if you bubble a big tournament, like how does that rank in your own experience as well? Well, I don't even play tournaments because I can't even bear it. <laughs> <laughs> but I did lose a one outer. I did flop set over set and lost a one outer. Oh, yeah. And I, that hadn't happened in a long time. And it hurt. Yeah. You know, it hurt. Yep. Yeah, the one outer, that one in particular does does seem like that one's that one's gonna sting. Yeah. Um some other some other folks have said uh when you get the like you get aces in versus aces and they get a four flush and yeah. that's how you go home. Yeah. Like that that one stinks. Right. Um quads but it's over really quads. How yeah. how bad does it hurt and for how long? And does it throw you off your game? You know, that's the most important thing. So if you make the objective to just suffer less. Well, that might not be enough of a motive. 
Mm-hmm. But if you make the objective, hey, I got to get my shit together quick because I'm still wagering money. You know, that's a real motive to train yourself to be able to let go of of the past. Yeah. Fast because it's expensive when we it's hang on to that because it makes sure. it way bad. You, know? <laughs> you said. So, so that's been a big part of my motive all along. It's like, okay, boy, I'm really hurting right now, but I got I got to play good. I got to play good. Right. So um, annoyance, you know, I, I, I always like to bring attention to the types of suffering that we don't even think of as being that big of a deal, but they add up over time. You know, mm-hmm. in, in theory, you could say, OK, we slept well, we ate well, we had our exercise or whatever. We're sitting there playing at the beginning of the game. In theory, we're optimized. Right. At that exact moment, even if you lost a, you know, a aces versus king's hand or whatever, it might not hurt that bad, right? But later on, over time, we get worn down. That's why it's so critical to keep doing what I call uh, rebuilding your resolve in reserve. You need resolve in reserve. Mm. You need to be able to take a beat and have it not hurt, right? So once you get tenderized from losing or just playing or fatigue, then when the bad beat comes, it might send you right off to your worst place. So you have to keep working on maintaining that stability, even when things are going well all the time. So that's why things like um, just being fatigued at all, tired, mm. like if you yawn even one time, that needs to be a, a red light warning sign that you're in danger of going into your not a game. And then the little annoyances. That's why I talk a lot about people, about their interactions at the table. Okay. Um, and uh, how to let uh, annoying comments and annoying words, whatever it is, everybody has their own things that annoy them. But don't think of that as just uh, whatever. It's like, that's costing you money. Anytime mm. somebody says something that annoys you, in theory, that costs you money. So the working on the act of being unannoyable, which I I definitely am now, um, is a very profitable thing to do. So it is pain reduction. Annoyance is pain. You reduce the pain, you increase your profit. That's a good way of thinking about it. I love that. So we did get a couple folks uh, typing in their pain points here in the chat. So uh, Chris says his poker pain is most when he keeps losing with the same hand. So it builds up. And in his case, King King is kind of a specialty when it comes to this. First time he loses with pocket Kings, no problem. Second time, okay, that stings. Third time, (laughs) look out, tilt tilt is coming. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. And like, you can feel like sort of the world's out to get you. This hand is like trying to, uh, trying to bring you to your end, doesn't it? Yeah, that's that one. I feel that for sure. Um, I got, I got a pocket Kings story to tell you. So this was back when I was playing limit full time. I had a runway. I had 20 consecutive losing sessions. Okay. This is what I was playing for a living, 2040, right? And toward the end of that run, I would be, I'd take, you know, I'd quit for two or three days, like over and over and over and get rebuilt and go back in. And then I had one session where I went in. I'm already, I get pocket kings in the big blind, first hand, you know, cap pot, flop a king, lose on the river. And I didn't even take my small blind. <laughs> I just quit right there. I couldn't. This is a long time ago. I absolutely could not bear it. I was ready to jump off a bridge. 
So anyway, yeah. Yep. yeah. No, that's a familiar one, I think. Um, what he's got one in here says, when I play against my opponent's range, which is what we should all be doing, and mm-hmm. bluff directly into the nuts. Yeah, that one stinks, where it's just you don't get to control distribution of where they are right, in, right. in their range. So, yeah, that one right. hurts no matter what. Yeah. Um, Keith's got one here, making a mistake again that I've been punished for before more than once, and then getting punished again. Yep, you feel yeah. me, Keith. That's that's the one that that's the one that, uh, yeah. that hurts me for sure. Those are the ones that get me. Is like if I if I play a leaky hand before the flop, you know, whatever. Let's say it's queen nine in a situation where I wouldn't normally play it, and then flop the nut straight and right. then lose. It's like the poker gods are saying, look, asshole, you were never supposed to play that hand in the first place. Yes. Yep. That's one. And that's that's one thing someone else mentioned on Twitter is when an opponent does something that's not correct, but it ends up yeah. working out really well for them yeah. at your expense. That can tilt that can tilt people too. When right. when, when you right. feel like I've done everything I'm supposed to do here, I got I put you right where I wanted you. And then right. you came in and you know that I I understand that's uh but that's again, that's something like, you know, we talk about this all the time. You want your opponents to be making mistakes. Yeah. It, it stinks that this time, you know, you got stuck on the wrong side of it. But that's that's actually a good thing, you know, as crazy as it sounds. I d- well, I not only that, line, but you, you got to remember to be happy when you oh. are the one delivering that beat. Wait, good remember point. to be just as happy. Yeah, uh, Tommy, Keith's saying that that um, we're on the other side of that often enough, where we're the one delivering the bad beat on someone else, and right. you know that we got to we we kind of take some pleasure in that too, uh, right. as well. So yeah, that's interesting. Fi- kind of feeling that balance, right, Keith? And Keith Keith's talked about this before. How um, when you're in that spot, feeling that sting. Uh, one thing you can do is just kind of channel those nice feelings of all the times that you laid a bad beat on someone else and know yeah. that it's all kind of just equaling itself out there. I do like yep. that. So Keith's, Keith's working on his Zen here. He, he's reading up on his Tommy. <laughs> <laughs> we got one from uh, Jim Gibson in the YouTube chat, uh, which is my biggest pain in poker that I've noticed is when I feel like I've made the best play that I could with variance on my side and it goes against me. Uh, then when that continues to happen, yeah, yeah, I, I yeah. do see that in a lot of these responses is where it's just, you know, uh, the poker gods won't even take their ne- their uh, foot off your neck <laughs> once right. they've started to bring right. the pain. You know, and that doesn't seem fair, does it? <laughs> it's no good. Well, that's a pretty good one. I call that injustice tilt, you know, mm. and that is another one of these things that transfers to regular life really, really mm. well. Yes. Right? When When – just that that feeling of anger or whatever we get or disappointment when we didn't get our just desserts or whatever you know and and that that's a good one and that is a that's a really important one i think to um move away from you know it's hard but this idea that that if things don't go as they're supposed to uh that something's wrong, but you know, we all know it's always going to go like that many, many times. And, you know, that's like you said earlier, that's a great way of looking at life too. You know, like things go wrong out of our control all the time. All we can control is how we respond to those things, you know? exactly. Um, And so I got to thank poker and golf in particular for for helping me be a happier person every day of my life, just because I'm, I'm much less connected to the outcome of events um, because right. you just can't, you can't put your, you can't, you can't, uh, make your happiness vulnerable to the results <laughs> of the world because yeah. you don't, you can't control that. 
And golf and poker are very similar in that way. Even though we're surrounded by other people, poker, it's a, it's a solo game, mm-hmm. right? And so, like, if you go shoot a, you know, an 80 and the other guy shoots 82 or 78 or whatever, yeah, you might have won or lost, but all you really care about is that 80, right? Your own score, ultimately. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's the best approach to take the poker. In fact, in Elements of Poker, I think I referred to this, a golf analogy that, that you should think of the opponent's as trees on the golf course, they're in your way. But if you if you hit the ball into a tree, you're not going to get mad at the tree, right? So you don't need to have emotional engagement with the course itself or with the people themselves. What you really want to focus on is your own swing, your own setup. You shanked it. Are you going to be ready to putt now? Or whatever, right. right? That's where poker and golf are very similar in that way. I like that a lot. That makes a lot of sense to me. Um, we've got a comment from uh, Joe here in the YouTube chat. And again, um, I didn't mention this at the top, but if folks want to stick around after the interview, we're going to draw a prize for our YouTube uh, members, anyone who's here in real time. We're going to do this every week for a while and have some fun at the end of the episode each time. So YouTube folks stick around and you have a chance to win a prize and find out about some cool new stuff coming up. Uh, Joe says. Much of your appeal to the community is as a guru of sorts, and many in the poker community appear to be looking for gurus. I have my own beliefs about why this is, but why do you think that is? And do you think that's true, that people oh. in the poker community are like looking for gurus? Um, well, the whole guru concept has been around a long, long time. You know, people are very often looking for someone to give them a direction give them hope. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that that's going to be true in writing or golf or whatever else, you know, maybe because poker does inherently involve so much pain that the whole guru concept, you know, comes up. Um, but generally speaking, we are looking for quick answers to huge problems that, you know, so, you know, a lot of times people, they, they, uh, they might come to a guru guru type person and they're looking for, um, you know, a soundbite or something they can take away. That's just going to like turn things around. And that's, it, it just doesn't work that way. You know, to do these types of deep mental changes, it takes consistent effort of some kind over a long, long period of time. And that goes back to the guru, you know, I, the word guru here, I think is being used in two different ways. Mm. One is a, a, a teacher or someone you can uh, look up to a mentor. Okay. But the actual guru relationship is always a one-on-one long range personal relationship. And, and that's, you know, when someone actually truly has a guru in the technical, you know, Hindu sense or whatever, it means a master who they can go to with their questions. And this is where another thing that the guru, the guru concept provides is the same as a therapist, where you have at least one voice in your life that isn't going to judge you, that isn't going to criticize you. And isn't going to think negatively of you no matter what you do, right? And that's one of the reasons I have, uh, I've had a lot of good successful coaching relationships. It's because when somebody reads one of my books, 
that establishes the trust mm -hmm. because I reveal myself and they are more willing to reveal themselves and they can tell in the tone of my writing that I come from a non-judgmental place. And so we can start right out with that trust established. That's the key thing to the guru relationship is this like deep, deep trust and no fear of being of having being judged harshly. Mm -hmm. That's a huge part of it. So, yeah, people need that and look for that and want that, whether it's in poker or anywhere. So one question, one more question. We're coming up on the time where we said we'd keep you, but I got one I can't let okay. you off the hook for here. So um, I'm so interested. It, it sounds like you're talking about playing poker just in a completely different way, uh, playing more hands out of position, you know, yeah. loosening up in some of these spots. What do you think is responsible for that? Is, is it an external thing about the game of poker and the people that play it? Or is it an internal thing about your own confidence in these various positions or just feeling like there are exploits there that you were leaving on the table before? Talk a little about that and then we'll let you it's, go. I, this is going to, it's ridiculously simple. Okay. So Ed Miller and I have known each other since the very beginning of two plus two. We were both posting back then long before he wrote anything or I did either. And then he started writing, I was writing, and we even meet every year at the World Series and hang out. We used to play 4-8 Limit Hold'em in my hotel room, like four or five derelicts. And so <laughs> I've known Ed all this time, and I love his writing style. But I, have, I used to read his articles all the time, but I had not actually read, like, all the way through any of his books, okay? Then I got a hold of Poker's 1%, and it was like the sky opened up because it was everything I knew. I'm talking about like the first 30 or 60 pages. Everything in there I already knew, like cold, but it had not been laid out for me. This is exactly mm -hmm. what I try to do in my books, right, mm -hmm. is try to synthesize and extract the nuggets that, that are transferable after all the experience I've amassed, right? And when I read that, and because I was already playing, I was like, oh, my frigging, oh, oh, here was the other thing. The other thing was the whole GTO movement and all that. I've watched it, I've read about it, talked to Andrew, and I've had a couple big takeaways from it, was things I already knew, but now I knew to do all the time. For example, if you know somebody bluffs too much, you just call. You don't try to figure out if they're bluffing this time, right? And stuff like that, real simple. So but mm. once I started reading about the frequencies concept, and that's what I'm talking about, the frequencies concept, I realized immediately that I was not seabedding enough and I was not turn barreling enough after barreling the flop. Those two things, it was just like the shining light. And it was so clear and literally... On a dime, I started doing that, and my win rate has doubled. Wow. Okay, that's no um, small claim. That's impressive, Tommy. And but and I knew it would. In mm. fact, I already knew. In fact, somebody said once, "Well, I I just knew it would because I knew how right this was." And I and I was like, "Man, I wish I could just like replay, you know, the last <laughs> ten years." And my win rate's been fine. It's been ten BBs, you know. Right. And now it's twenty. Now. But the other thing is this style of play does require um, more 
fearlessness and painlessness. And that I had already done in the meantime. So it was like both things came together. I knew I was going to be able to just start doing this. Um, and well, yeah, I, I could tell you some hands, but man, I've, it, it's so much more interesting and exciting to play this way also, you know, yeah. than just waiting and not talking. <laughs> Which it really does sound like it's more well. fun. Yeah, you know, it sounds <laughs> yeah. like you've unlocked a whole new layer of, of fun poker. Um, it, 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 it's exactly what's happened. Yeah. Fun and, and lucrative, too. So right. God, how can you argue with that? All right. Well, um, uh, so Joe has one uh, point he just wants to break up. He says, or uh, bring up here, he says, your quitting concept has been probably the most important, in my opinion, to helping poker players maintain uh, their mental health. So just a hat off to you there, Tony, uh, Tommy. And uh, Martha says, what a great guest and terrific show tonight. Thanks for the good information and good fun. Well, thanks, Joe and Martha. It's nice to know that you're enjoying yourselves. Yeah. Yeah, Tommy knows how to bring it. He knows how to bring the knowledge. So uh, if you want to get more involved with, Tom, with Tommy, what, uh, what's the best way for folks to reach out to you? Where's the one place people should go if they want to make a connection with Tommy Angelo? TommyAngelo.com. That's Easy. it. My email address is there. I think my phone number is even there. Um, <laughs> and then uh, and everything, all my books, my videos, free articles, free videos, uh, details about my coaching, and contact information. It's all there. Tommy Fantastic. And uh, Tommy's a lot of fun on Twitter too. Uh, and he's got a ton of great videos out there. Um, there's just a million ways to soak up some of this fantastic poker knowledge and life knowledge when it comes to uh, how to, how to enjoy your time at the table of life. Uh, so Tommy, thank you so much. Uh, you know, one of the, I'd love to have you back on uh, one day soon, maybe sure. on the forums edition, we can look at some of those hands and talk about how this new approach okay. uh, to poker has sort of changed how you play some of these spots. That would be a treat. Yeah. Give me like a, you know, one month warning and I'll collect some hands or something. Yeah. Like okay. okay. Count on it. We're going to hold okay. you to it. That sounds great, Tommy. All right. Well, uh, thank <laughs> you again for joining us and uh, folks, make sure you go to TommyAngelo.com and uh, connect with Tommy there and uh, you won't regret it. I guarantee it. Um, Great all right, we'll work. The crew again. Yeah. Won't be for the last time <laughs> if we have our way, I promise. Okay. All right. Take care, Tommy. All Thanks. Right, I'm going to log off. See yeah, you. you do it. Uh, right. So we're going to go roll into our community happenings uh, corner. John Somsky will take us through who won some recent home games, who's got a pin coming and uh, some other fun stuff that's coming up. And I am going to do this prize at the end if people stick around. Uh, so let's, uh, here, John, why don't you get us started on the home games and we'll see what's up next. All right. Well, we start off with our daily series and the nightly events. And we have now then KB Doug Barons got his second nightly victory for the year. Carl zero six two one Carl Anderson got his third for the year. J S Edom. I think that's what we said. Or, or J Edom maybe he's on a roll. Jeff is kicking. This is his fifth nightly victory for the year amazing now, we, saw, we saw a we saw a result at canterbury cards one day with a jeff setham who came right. into the money in one of the canterbury cards tournaments i so think we got our guy i believe that could be our guy i think it's him ah <laughs> well it's good to know uh frogman rick rick day got rick! his second nightly victory for yes, the year one of my favorite people in the world 
and Keck Geek, that is Keck Geek Senior, Mark Kiki, got his third nightly victory for the year. Nice. Way to go, Mark. And then a first-time uh, winner, a Benquisto, uh, got their first nightly victory for the year. A really mad guy won the daily mixed uh, practice event for the first time. And Magra 44, Doug Drebeck, is back at it again and got oh his third international victory for the year. Holy, I think he went back to back last week, if memory serves. So he's on a roll. Yes. So I think that's, well, and he this was the 9 a.m. So that's three mm-hmm. international oh, events in a row. Good point. But just to call it right then and there, uh, now then KB Doug Barron's decided to get his second victory for the week, <laughs> but his first international victory for the year. There you go. And as another repeat player, Keck Geek, Mark Kiki, that's Keck Geek Senior, won the Learn Pro Poker event. So you can contact Jim at rec.poker and get your free month to Learn Pro Poker. There you go, Mark. Congratulations twice in one week. And the Sunday night, that's the one to win. Because if you get that free month at Learn Pro Poker, you know you're in for a treat. And uh, Mark comes from a very good uh, poker bloodline. Uh, I know his son, Jacob, is a freaking killer on the rec poker community uh, tables. He came in at some ridiculous number. Was it 20? 20? Was that the number last year? Yes, he got 20 victories last year. Oh, my God. He called his shot and uh, won 20. So, um, Mark, maybe time to spend a little time studying at LPP and then see if you can take it to Jacob. We're going to have some uh, fun stuff coming up, some fun competitions where our premium members can uh, dust it up and and try and take each other's uh, measure. So that'll be one to look forward to. Um, Oh, we're going to do a giveaway shortly here. So what I'd like to do is if you're watching on YouTube and you're interested in uh, the contest, why don't you just type the word contest into the chat and it'll bring up the number of people that are going to enter. And then I'm going to roll a die here and we will figure out who is going to win the prize. The prize this week is a copy of Dara O'Carney and Barry. Uh, oh my God. What, what is Barry's Carter? Carter. <laughs> Carter. God almighty. Yeah. I was just Dara texting with him O'Carney earlier. Yes. With Barry Carter. Right. Sorry, Barry, man. What a jerk. <laughs> I, um, I just had a, a seniors moment there. Uh, they've put, uh, as you are well familiar, uh, Rob, you're doing our book study right now with Endgame Poker Theory, Endgame Poker Strategy. That's what we're going to be raffling off uh, a copy of tonight. And we're going to be doing that every week for the next five weeks. So um, Barry got in touch over uh, DM and we got a chance to get some of these promotional copies to share with our members. And that is uh, what we're going to do here. So we got a few people typing in I will give a few more folks a chance to get that in there. Um, while people are typing it in, we got a couple other exciting things coming up. So it's currently May 23rd. So this episode will come out on Friday. And the following week on Tuesday, May 31st, we are going to have our very first fun country online play and hang. So if you're familiar with what we do at Rec Poker, every Tuesday night, uh, we get together with our premium members and we have an online playing hang. We're playing in the home game and we join a Zoom call and we get some FaceTime. We get to uh, chat with each other, kind of give each other the gears a little bit. Um, of course, we 
stick to one player per hand. So there's no real-time uh, strategy element on it. But we do have a lot of fun. Uh, Kev Math often swings by and we kind of rail whoever wins the OPA last longer into the night. So one thing we're going to do a little differently starting now, uh, for the next three months at least, every Tuesday night, uh, instead of just our usual uh, online play and hang, we're going to have our Fun Country play and hang. Fun Country is a great platform uh, that uh, some friends of ours have put together. It really is an exciting way to play with your friends. There's video and audio, just like our usual online play and hang, but it all happens at the same table. So what we're going to do every Tuesday night at 9 Eastern, 8 Central, just like the usual uh, online play and hang, we're going to have the first nine premium members that sign up get to play in a single person uh, sit and go, uh, sorry, a single table of sit and go with nine players. And it's free to enter. And the winner each week is going to get a $50 Amazon gift card, compliments of Fun Country. Um, so I'm really excited for that. And if folks want to get involved, uh, any premium member can join. I'm going to put a forum post out every Tuesday night with a link to join. And then just the first nine people that join that link, they get a chance to play against some other Rec Poker premium members, have some fun laughing and yucking it up. And of course, get a one in nine shot at a $50 Amazon gift card. So if you're a life knit like me, I know you like those odds. Get in there for free and come away with some scratch. Yes, sir. Uh, so that's going to be available um, starting on Tuesday and for the next little while. And I hope folks get to come and enjoy that. Um, but that's not all because the very next day is June 1st. And I, if folks are aware, if folks are not aware, there's something big happening on June 1st. Everyone who is a premium member that day gets their name entered into a hat. Um, website Mark is going to arrange some sort of virtual hat <laughs> with everybody's name in it. And then the very next day on June 2nd, live on Taylor's Twitch stream, if you go to twitch.tv slash poker, we're going to draw someone's name out. All you have to do is be a premium member on June 1st and you are entered into this draw. And one lucky player is going to be my tag team partner for event number 55, uh, WSOP bracelet event, the tag team event on June 26th, June 27th, and June 28th down in sunny Las Vegas. We're going to cover your entry fee. All you have to do is show up for free, get yourself down to Vegas, arrange some accommodation, because hopefully you and I are going to be going pretty deep in a multi-day bracelet event. Um, and all you had to do was be a premium member at rec.poker to make it happen. So um, all you have to do is sign up. If you're not a premium member and you've been thinking about it, now's a great time. Use that code RECPOKER to get your first uh, month for only $5. And don't tell me that's not uh, a good investment with all the amazing stuff we have going on over here and a chance to get into uh, a bracelet event for free. Come drop that code RECPOKER. All right. So, oh, well, I'm going to give a few people a little longer to type the word contest into the chat because we also have to talk about running aces. Oh, my God. We're doing rec poker weekend at running aces. So, uh, okay, Friday, June 24th, there's a morning tournament at running aces that anyone can enter, but it's going to be full of rec poker people. And there are some fun prizes we're going to give away that day. Um, in the middle of the day or in the afternoon, we're going to have some kind of social fun event at Running Aces Casino. Um, I'll be there. I'm coming in early that morning. I'm going to play in, in all of these events. So we're a bunch of the gang here if they're not already in Las Vegas. So I'm really looking forward to that. Um, Friday evening, 
we're going to have a, a tournament that's exclusively available to Rec Poker members. So you can come if you're a premium member, you get first crack at uh, getting into the lineup, and then community members will be able to take the remaining spots. Um, and on Saturday, there's another uh, Rec Poker tournament in the morning. Uh, that one's going to be a $50 bounty uh, tournament as well. And I was talking to John Barrows, who's the uh, tournament director of Running Aces. They're also going to run a points series o- over the course of these three tournaments. And whoever wins the most number of points is going to get, I think, something like $200 in uh, Lammers for uh, other tournaments at Running Aces. You're going to get a free year of Rec Boker Premium membership. And uh, I think I'm also going to be a bounty. So anyone who takes me out of any of the turn any of the tournaments we're playing in, you're also going to get a prize, either a free membership or some swag or something fun like that. Um, so it's going to be a great chance to get together, meet some of the panel, um, have fun. Uh, it's all going to be at Running Aces on Friday, June 24th, and uh, Saturday, June 25th. Then we're heading down to Vegas for the tag team. And if you're in Las Vegas on Monday, June 27th, come on down to WSOP. Um, it's day two of the tag team event at noon that day. So at 10 that morning, we're all going to get together. Everyone who's in Las Vegas, who's a Rec Poker uh, Nation fan, we're all going to get together, have some breakfast or coffee or something fun right there on site to make it easy to get to that 12 o'clock start. Um, so between June 24th, 25th, 26th, and 27th, you want to have those events circled because whether you're in Minnesota or Nevada, we are going to have some fun together. So Rec Poker Weekend, start uh, looking for that. And if you want to go find out more about that, you can go to rec.poker slash road trips, or you can go to rec.poker slash events, and you'll find a chance uh, to get learn some more details about that kind of stuff. All right. So I'm counting up the number of people that typed contest into the chat here. And I've got a die. We're going to roll. All right, let's see. I just, I'm just going to go in, in order from the top down. Let's see who it comes up to. Number one, Jim Gibson. All right, Jim Gibson, you lucky dog. That's uh, at, least one, at least one thing you're winning this week. We don't know. I mean, next week's going to be here soon. There's lots of other things available to be won. Uh, but Jim, you are the proud owner of a copy of Dara and Barry's uh, Endgame. And you're really going to enjoy that. That's right. Gibber, the real gem coming in there to uh, claim, claim the prize. No surprises there. Um, yes. All right, Joe, that's very generous. Uh, but as it is, Gibber's already got it. Here we are all set. Um, all right. Well, let me see, folks. What else should we talk about? Oh, my. We got to get Chris out of here. He's running the seminar. Uh, he's doing our, our deep dive tonight. Uh, there's all sorts of fun stuff happening over here at Rec Poker. Rob, what about with you? What's going on? Um, well, we got, uh, we're doing the end game poker strategy, uh, the ICM book by Dyro Carney with Barry Carter as our book study. And this will be session three will be June 1st. Um, so come and join us. We're in the middle of chapter three right now. Um, so you could, it doesn't, won't take much to catch up. You can uh, go back and look at the archives, see what uh, we've done in session one, session two. And catch up and join us. Should be a lot of fun. Yeah, it always is. Rob does a great job putting uh, slides together, um, breaking down that material into little bite-sized pieces so other uh, recreational poker players like you and me can pick it up and apply it at the tables. I've been enjoying that so far. Uh, All right. Well, Jim Gibson, uh, send me an email, jim at rec.poker. 
and let's make sure you get that wonderful prize. And um, I really want to thank everyone in the chat, uh, Jim, John, Joe, uh, Martha. I think we got a couple more in there somewhere. Troy, thank you so much. And um, of course, uh, Tommy Angelo, um, Chris, Keith, John, Woody, and Rob, Steve Fredland for making all this happen, Running Aces Hotel, Racetrack and Casino, and Website Amp, and mostly you, the listeners. Thanks.